everyone, this is Zayan Sharma, the Director of Pioneer Missions and School of Missions with Kingdom Vision Global, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. To receive more updates from us, please do visit our website, kvglobal.org, or find us on our Instagram page, Global School of Missions. Today with us, we have Danston John, and he'll be sharing with us on living in wholeness. We see here, Jesus says, do not forbid him for he's not who is not against us is on our side he might be serving completely from a different group uh might be doing it in a different way but he's not against us he's still on our side he's still with us he's still uh, he's still serving me right that's what jesus said to john and anyway so john uh you know learned his lesson right there and from there i believe that he uh, did not stop anybody else from serving uh, jesus but they came to this one particular uh, place called Samaritan Village where uh, Jesus gets rejected. And in verse 51, we see that now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And, and he sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this again, John comes up again. Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? You know, Elijah, for many, for, for a lot of different ways, Elijah is an inspiration. I didn't know Elijah can also sometimes negatively inspire some believers like John. He was, he took, a, he, he saw the side of Elijah where he said, okay, you know what, let's call down the fire. Elijah brought down the fire to prove the God of Israel was still alive and that, you know, and the God of Baal was dead God. But if you notice here, John takes that same experience and he twists it and he uses for his own personal vengeance. In other words, his own personal, uh, you know, hatredness, somehow to take a revenge against the Samaritans who rejected them. So rejection is what they went through. But the response that John gave was totally, totally different. He wanted them to be destroyed. He wanted them to be what? To be destroyed. He wanted the fire to come and to destroy them. So John didn't know how to handle this response. He didn't know how to handle this rejection part of it. But again, what was the response of Jesus? Jesus responds and he says, you do not know. <laughs> you do not know, uh, you know, what manner of spirit, what manner of spirit do you have? What kind of a spirit do you guys have? And so this is where I want to get, I want us to understand, okay? Because just because you're a follower of Christian, a follower of Jesus, just because you're doing missions, ministry, it does not mean that you're perfectly all right. John the Apostle had a problem with Samaritans. He had a problem a while ago, Jesus corrected him. He had a problem with another guy who was serving, was not in his team. He had a problem with them. He had a problem with Samaritans. It looks like John kept on picking up with people and is like, picking up people and saying, you know what, let's do this to them, let's do that. They did not have a whole whole spirit. In other words, they did not carry the, the, the what do you call, the wholeness in their heart. In other words, the heart of the Father, right? So, but Jesus talks about this. And, you, you know, you do not know what manner of the spirit, right? What, you, what manner of the spirit you are of. 
And so Jesus wanted to get to the right to the bottom. And so in Jesus corrects us in 56 verse and says, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. You see, Jesus said, uh, Jesus you know, handled rejection in a very different way than John did. It's like, come on, John, you know, all this while you've seen, I have been, you know, the Pharisees have spoken ill about me. You know, I've been constantly facing rejection from my own family members. But here, look at the, the response of Jesus. He says, I came to save them. He sticks to the purpose. He sticks to his purpose. He sticks to what he was designed for. He's saying, my purpose is not to destroy them. My purpose is even not to react at what they're doing to me. My purpose is to fulfill what God wants me to do in this lifetime. So many a times we are so busy, so caught up with reacting to people, reacting to people. We're so caught up in saying, you know, this person said this to me. Let me prove it and show this person. I remember one time how I was mentoring one young guy and um, he wanted to, uh, you know, perform all his life. He just wanted to prove his parents that, you know, he is the best. He wanted to prove his friends that he's the best. He, wa- he was doing his uh, computer engineering and, uh, you know, he, he wanted to become a computer scientist and stuff like that. Um, and I asked him, like, what's your main goal? It's like, I want to be a computer scientist and this and so on. I was like, okay, why do you do it? It's because my friends rejected me and they said that you're good for nothing when I was in high school. So what happened was that wound, you know, catapulted into uh, this whole performance thing, right? And he began to perform from that place of wound and he could not find rest. He could not find that peace because he was reacting to the rejection. You see, when a person is whole, they won't react to the rejection. Rather, they react to the purpose of God, the call of God. They live for God. They live for his purpose. They live for him. They don't live to prove that, look, I can do this. I can do that. But that's sadly how we Christians today, we are, we have, been, we, have, we, have, we have been trying to react to one another that, okay, I can do this, I can do that. But look at how Jesus solves this problem here. He says, you know, uh, I did not come to destroy, but I came to save. You know, this is the if you were if you were to be in in the side of Jesus, if you were to uh, what do you call uh, take the uh, John's side, you probably would say, you know what, John's justification was right. He's hurt, and he wants to went out, and he went to Jesus, and he went it out to Jesus, and is the right person to went out to. If you really have those feelings. But you would have justified that John was right. You know, John said what he said was right because he feels it that way. And that's how we always talk about it. But Jesus did not go with John. He did not go with John. He's teaching John something here. He said, John, listen, we have a mission here. We didn't come here to for a, to, 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 to make, you know, to, to react to troubles or to get somebody in trouble. But we came here to fulfill the Father's mandate. But John wasn't whole at that time. And as a result... He was fighting these personal offenses, fighting these battles within himself. So, and the main battle that we see here that he was fighting was rejection. Now, um, if you take a, 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 you know, if you see a child growing, right? Our children are very, 
you know, susceptible to the environment. You know, every child is first thing the child grows, you'll probably start, the child starts noticing colors, sound, uh, you know, and uh, picking up some stuff here and there and, and the words that they listen to or, and they start, you know, imitating their, uh, you know, their parents or their siblings when they grow up and things like that, because they're so uh, used to the environment around them, right? So the kind of environment that God put us, all of us in, was an environment of love. It was an environment of love. If you see how, uh, you know, Adam and Eve were matter, right? Take an Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, right, they were in Garden of Eden. And the presence of God was constantly flowing. The atmosphere there was the, 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 the you know, what do you call it? They sensed the goodness of God on every moment of their life. They, sent, they, they experienced the love of God in every moment of their lives. But what happened when sin entered? What happened when sin entered? Things start to flip. All of a sudden, man went into hiding. Man went into hiding. And as a result of that, right, uh, as a result of that, you know, man could not find, you know, a, a place of rest, a place of rest or a place of peace. So God had to come and look for Adam. Adam, hey, where are you? And, and you know what Adam's response was? He says, I heard you as you walked. As you walked in, in, in the garden, in the, we heard you and we were afraid. The first reaction there was what? We were afraid. So wait a minute. So let's say uh, we don't know what age did Adam sin. Let's say for the first 500 years, Adam had absolutely an absolute he lived in absolute harmony with god absolute peace with god let's say let's say after hundreds of years living in harmony with god he sins and then he experiences this this fear he experiences this fear and 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 and, and anxiety and all of that all at once and he thinks now that god is is after him he thinks that god is going to do some things against him he's he all of a sudden, something happened to his, something's happened to his, his, his emotions. Everything begins to change. But what did God tell Adam? Adam, where are you? It's like, Adam, where are you? I'm not here. I'm not here. Uh, I'm not come here to fight you, but I've come here to make you whole. So we see how Adam and Eve try to fix their own issue by, you know, getting some fig leaves in the and, and try to cover themselves. But then you see how God himself you know, kills a, 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 was it, a calf or an animal and lamb and, and clothes them with the skin. And that's a picture of the cross. That's a picture of what happened to us is that God provided a solution on the cross and he covered us. So that first thing that Adam went through was rejection. Well, of course, the fear factor was there, but he believed that he, he gave himself into fear because he felt the rejection of God. That's the purpose. That's the reason why he went into that place of, of deep, deep rejection. And so God somehow, you know, um, you know, probably I don't know what he did, but he said, Adam and Eve, that's that clothing that you're having. It's temporal. My healing and my covering is permanent. So in, in, in uh, you know, in Colossians, Paul says, let be clothing ourselves in Christ. What it means is that our shame, our rejection, 
is now being covered by Jesus himself. We have been made perfect. We have been made whole in Christ. Now, like I said about, uh, uh, you know, a, a children, a child growing in the environment, spiritually speaking, we were all born into sin. Every person came into this world. The Bible says we were children of wrath. In other words, we were born in sin. We're conceived in sin, the Bible says. Now, which means we were rejected by God. Right when we were, the time we were born, when we came into this world, we came into this world rejected by God. That's the fact. That's what the Bible says. But that's why Jesus had to speak about being born again. So now when we are born again in Christ, we are now accepted by God. Now God has accepted you and I forever. That's why we need to be born again. Because every person born into this came, came into this world and the first thing you felt about God and everything around you was rejection. Why? Because when you and I live in sin, the first thing that comes to our mind is that now we've been rejected. We've been fired. That God does not want us anymore. So those are the thoughts that enter into our minds. But that's what Jesus said. Once you're born again, you will enter the kingdom of God. So when we were born again, what really happened was that we first thing we felt was the acceptance. The acceptance of the Father. And guess what? He has accepted you forever, for eternity. You have been accepted by God. So uh, going forward with the idea of wholeness. Why is this wholeness so, so important? Now, if you, if you go through the Gospels, you see um, Jesus healed people, I believe, in multidimensional level. In other words, he healed them. Some people got physical healing and some people were healed spiritually and some people were healed emotionally. And if you go to uh, the book of Luke, and chapter 11, let's go to the book of Luke chapter 11. Hold on, let me just, uh, 17, yeah, Luke 17. Luke 17. Now it happened, okay, now it happened. As he went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as there, as he entered a certain village, there he met, okay, there he met 10 men who were lepers who stood far off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. The Bible says, as they went, they were what? They were cleansed. They were automatically cleansed, okay? Uh, and now, we, as we all know the story, this is a very, very famous story, after all. Um, it's, uh, and then we know the fact that only one person came back, right? It says in verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, one, just one person uh, saw that he was healed, Returned with a loud voice, glorified God. Loud voice, glorifying God. Now, and he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. He was a foreigner. He was not a Jew. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? 
But where are the nine? And in verse 18, we see where there are not any found who return to give glory to God, except this foreigner, except this foreigner. Um, all right, let me, let me first explain this, what I'm about to tell you. We see that Jesus healed. He said to this, okay, in verse 14, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so as if they went, they were what? Cleansed. He said, show yourself to the priest. Now, why was it important to show themselves to the priest? It's because in those days, priests acted also like a doctor. They, the priest inspected. The priest saw that if they were healed. And if they were healed, these lepers, right, they were ready to go back into their community. Because the lepers were kept separate. Okay. They were not part of the community. They were kept in a, uh, they're not, you know, the social distancing. That's what we can use a word here. Okay. So, um the, and you know the leper the leprosy is a, is a deadly disease people sometimes take you know many years to pass away to die out of that disease it's literally your skin coming off of your body and you know it's just like you know losing your fingers your digits of your of your feet and all of that and i can imagine when jesus saw these 10 lepers sitting up there all they cried out with one voice saying master have mercy on us you know don't pass by us and so jesus said go now and you know show yourself to the priest the Bible says, as they went, did you notice that? It says that, uh, so as they went, they were cleansed. It was, it was, see, we, see, we have got it backwards. We think that being, being with, being in the presence of Jesus, we, we get our healing, right? That's also true. I'm not, they're not denying that. But if you take a look at here, says, so as they went, they were cleansed, meaning they took action once when Jesus said go. They took some kind of an action. So what is faith after all, right? Faith is dead without works. So in order for you to see a certain level of breakthroughs, you have to take some levels of faith, some levels of faith action here. So these people, in fact, the Bible says, whereas they went, they got healed. So, like I said, we have got it backwards. Sometimes we've still been in the presence of God. And God says, no, no, I want you to obey. Take that first step of obedience, and then you will see that breakthrough. And sometimes breakthroughs, don't we don't see the breakthroughs where we, where we keep fasting and praying. But God says, do this. The moment you do it, you start seeing the breakthrough. But one of them came back, and he saw that he was re healed. And guess what? The Bible calls and says that, and he returned with a loud voice and glorified God. He returned with a loud voice and what? Glorified God. Now, let's jump to verse 19. Now, here's the thing that I want you to catch. Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Wait a minute. So first she was healed. First she was cleansed. Then he was healed. I can imagine these lepers, you know, their skins, as they were going to the priest, they were literally, they were having the brand new skin. If they lost fingers or or, the, or digits of their feet, supernaturally the fingers fingers would start growing and the and, and the toes would start be growing back. That's exactly what happened. Those lepers, okay, and they were healed. But only one person came back to glorify the Father. But as soon as he did, he said, "Your faith has made you whole." In other words, well, a whole. And here's the word we we get from the word sozo comes from. The Greek word sozo comes from this particular word over here. In other words, you are healed emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. You are made whole, okay? And the point is that I like about this fact, why do I, Why am I bringing this up? It's simple. 
You see, there are, we think sometimes that, you know, when we get our blessings from God, we are healed and that's it. And we don't have to do anything after that. There's more to it. I can't stress enough and tell you how much, how much more there is than healing. Because we think that, okay, you know, we're physically, we are healed of this and that, and we are done. You know, so many people stop coming to church after that, so come to prayer meetings after that. Uh, you know, they think that, okay, the business is over. But that's not true. But you see, Jesus said, where are the nine people, man? I, I healed everyone. But what happened to just nine? Can you imagine majority people did not show up? But that's even the case today, isn't it? We have so many people coming for miracles, prayer, healing prayers, breakthrough prayers. But, but how many people do return back? That's the same scenario over here in time of Jesus. <laughs> Jesus did not face any different than what we are facing today. He faced a similar issue. And then Jesus looks at that and he says, only one person came back. And then his faith, he says what? Your faith has made you whole. Listen, uh, the condition, right? Uh, I'm sorry, your healing, God heals your conditions. He gives you the cure. But wholeness is... Constant well-being is completely another thing. Completely another thing. So God wants us to be in the state of well-being. Now, uh, how do we how do we get this? Now, uh, so yeah, so the root is is the sin. The beliefs are the thoughts and belief is the uh, you know the, the belief system, your emotional part of it, and the behavior is the fruit. In other words, it's all the symptoms. So most of the time, we focus on symptoms of anger, distress, and all kinds of depression, all kinds of stuff. But we don't actually get down to the root because we think that's the root. That's not the root. That's just a that's just a symptom showing up. Now. If you don't have anything, if you're not going to deal with the sin that you're battling with, what's going to happen is your thoughts and beliefs are going to be the same. It's going to influence your thoughts and belief. Your behavior is just probably going to temporarily, you will see some changes, but sooner or later, you will return back to the same place where you came. And the next thing we see here is God and people. The way you relate to God and the way you relate to people also has a, some level of impact. Now, um, the, like the root here is a sin, right? You can call whatever sin you can think about, but I think the, there's, if I would just bring it to one, to one big sin is the unbelief. The unbelief, you know, it results in, you know, all kinds of stuff like condemnation, uh, stress, anxiety, and everything. And, and then you move into the behavioral, you know, some of the behaviors that we have is because, you know, because there's something going on inside of our lives, something going on in the root level, okay, that we are not, uh, we are aware of, but we're not ready to deal with it. But this is where the problem arises when people uh, consider, and I'm not against therapists or, or, or psychologists or anyone like that. I, I believe that God's, God has given, these are all the means of grace. God has called every profession to deal with certain levels of, of uh, sickness and disease and illnesses, but as Christians, our biblical perspective to somebody going through some uh, problem, emotional problems or anything else is nothing but to place where God has uh, forgiven us of our sins. The first thing I mean to understand is that God has dealt the root part of it. 
he has dealt the root part of it, okay? Now, uh, if you go to secular field, obviously they would ignore this big part of thing called sin over here. They will write, they will probably jump to behavior or they will probably tackle with your thoughts and belief and behavior. But guess what? All this, whatever is happening is just going to be for temporal time. And that's obviously it's going to impact the way you relate to God and the way you relate to people. Right. You know, just like how what happened to Adam when Adam went into sin, his thoughts and belief completely changed. Right. He was aware that he was now naked. OK. And then his behavior was what he distanced himself from God. I'm sorry. His behavior was that he was afraid. Right. He was he was uh, filled afraid and he was uh, he was fearful. And as a result, he dis distanced himself from God. So it all came down from where the root cause. So the, what does the Bible have to say about this? The Bible tells us that the root cause has already been dealt. It's already been dealt. So we don't really have to worry about the root cause anymore. So that's why receiving forgiveness from God is the most important thing. Now, have you noticed some people, uh, they have several types of, today we see in, uh, there are different types of illnesses. Even uh, psychologists agree with this. You know, people who live for a long term in uh, some type of, uh, you know, unforgiveness or some kind of bitterness and all kinds of stuff, they result in some form of physical sickness. And they say that they have to, you probably need to have a talk therapy and so on and so, right? But when they come to know that God has forgiven their sin, something happens in, in that internal realm, that root realm, we call it where you now receive healing and forgiveness and wholeness from God. And when that happens, your thoughts and belief will come in line with the word of God. Your behavior will come in line with the word of God. How you relate to God and how you relate to people will come in line with the word of God. So this is how, as Christians, we're supposed to operate. We're not supposed to operate from a, from a place of sin, but from a place of God's love. Right. So God has already dealt with that root. Now, if you go back to John, right, you see, John, he was still living in rejection. He is still living in insecurity, despite, you know, being in the team of Jesus. It did not change anything. He still felt that he was in, he was inadequate and he still needed a lot of uh, confirmation and so and so things like affirmation, validation and so and so things. But I tell you what, you know, Jesus had to tell him, listen, I came to save. Say, John, listen, we are not here to judge anyone. We're not here to uh, destroy people, but we are here to save people. We're here to love them. We're here to, uh, 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 to, to take them away from every attack of the enemy, the spiritual enemies. The same John who exhibited such levels of anger and, you know, he writes the book on love. Can you see that? More than 34 times in the book of John, he speaks about love. I probably think more than that. But but John's nature and character begins to take that deep, deep, deep turn because he allowed Jesus. He knew that Jesus uh, uh, had, you know, wanted to change John from inside out and not just from outside perspective, but it he needed a change from inside out. So like I said, religion, it's like, Try, tries to control, right? This is what about religion is. Religious environments, wherever you see it, it's all about trying to uh, modify behaviors. It has nothing to do with soul transformations. 
That's why the gospel of Jesus Christ, it does not change anything. I mean, it, it's not focused in changing our behavior, but focused in changing our inside life, how we are inside, what's going on in our inside life. So, you know, Jesus did not, Jesus said, what goes into a man is not important to what comes out of him, right? So it's like that. So there is a, there's, there's something within us that needs to experience divine healing and wholeness of Jesus. You know, when Jesus spoke about shalom, the word shalom means to be whole. Another meaning for shalom uh, is to be whole. And he told the disciples, for I give you my wholeness to you. Not what the world gives you, but my wholeness to you. See, the world gives you, probably gives you cure and healing, but that does not last for long. But what I'm going to give you will last for long. I'm going to give you that wholeness. So finally, let's go down to um, book of Hebrews. And then I want to show you something. The writer of Hebrews uh, speaks about, you know, how to conquer the battles with our uh, in our soul, how to conquer the battles in our soul. So we go to the uh, Hebrew chapter six, verse nineteen, and here's what. Um, let's go to verse eighteen. Maybe from there we can get a proper context of this verse here. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled to refuse to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Look, where is, you know, Paul is now the writer, I believe, Luke or Paul, I don't know who wrote this, but either of them probably would have written this portion where it talks about uh, the anchor of the soul. Remember, remember when David said in his one of his Psalms, oh my soul, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul, why are you downcast? Here, as Paul is talking about, he's saying, you know, we have this hope as the anchor of the soul. Who is the hope we're talking about? Hope is not a feeling. Hope is not a feeling. Hope is the person. In Colossians, Paul said, Christ in us is the hope of all glory. Christ in us is the hope of all glory. And here's what uh, the writer says, for this hope we have as an anchor, of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Speaking of confidence, speaking of what? Speaking of confidence. So if you have, if you have, if you think that God is after you, if you think that, you know, God doesn't listen to your prayers, that you, you have to reach out to some men of God, women of God, and, and probably tell them to pray, and, and somehow God listens to their prayers on my behalf. Believe me, that's a very wrong thing to see, wrong thing to, wrong thing to have in your mind because God listens to your prayers. He listens to your prayers. Why? Because Paul is saying that now everybody has this hope. The hope is here is Christ. The hope is not a thing. It's not a feeling. It's a Christ himself. Christ in you and me is the hope of all glory and that he is an anchor of our soul. We're anchored in God. We're anchored. Our faith is anchored in God, not in the things of this world. Because everything in this world will has an expiry date. Listen, the best of friends you have, that friendship probably has an expiry date. Probably you might say, you know what? I, this, a friend of mine, 
I like to be with because every time I'm bro heartbroken, I can go to this person, I can be myself, I can share whatever I want to share. And, you know, and guess what? Everything in this world has an expiry date. You like it or not. So that's why the, 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 the writer of this book encourages us to understand that there is an anchor of your soul and his name is Jesus, the anchor. He's a hope himself. We are anchored in God and therefore we will not be shaken. Our confidence. Now, a person who is whole, like I was telling you, that uh, comes to comes came back to Jesus, giving Jesus all the glory and all the thanks and all the honor, just praising God, worshiping God. That's the reflection of a wholeness. That's the reflection of a heart that is made whole. Why? Because that heart is anchored now with the hope that's in Christ Jesus. Like I said, uh, hope is not, sorry, the, the wholeness is uh, nothing but it's a state of well-being. You know, so the uh, basically I don't let any environment around me to control me, but rather what's inside of me to control the environment that's outside of me. Are, are you getting the picture? For instance, when Jesus was in the boat sleeping, there was a there was a storm and the boat was about to sink and Jesus was still sleeping. He was fast asleep. And the Bible said disciples were terrified and they woke up Jesus. And guess what Jesus did? He, he, Jesus rebuked them for the lack of faith and he rebuked the wind. And, and, and the, the Bible's the wind died down. What happened? It's because Jesus walked in a, such a dimension that what he carried inside of him controlled what was happening outside of him. Can we as believers, can we as Christians walk in that dimension today? Can we walk in that dimension? You know, we may not all of us be there, but this truth is what is the reality of a Christian. This should be our reality today. This is how we should be possessed. The peace of God should be possessing us. The peace of God should be possessing us that tomorrow, whatever is going on in the outside, what's inside will start controlling the environment. But I tell you, this is really powerful if we give a thought to it. If you give a thought to what I'm just saying today, there are things that are happening right now. There's so much of bad news. There's so much of things, chaos. There's so much of uh, things that's, you know spiraling out of control. Uh, and guess what? You can allow all of this to come into your soul and, and try to disturb you and try to make you feel more depressed, try to make you feel more distressed and make you more heavier, or what you carry inside of you can control what's happening outside of you. So next week, uh, you know, we, we want to talk about, I want to basically, wanna, I want to share about um, serving in wholeness, okay, serving. So this is about living in wholeness, but next week we're going to talk about serving in wholeness, how spiritual authority functions in a place of wholeness, how, you know, you can be effective minister of the gospel uh, when you function in a place of wholeness and so and so. So at this point, I just want to, you know, us to pray uh, since we're out of time. Uh, but I want you to keep in mind right now that whatever you're going through, I want you to be aware of this one fact that Jesus is the anchor of your soul. And that you can be immovable, you can be unshakable because of him. Because of him, he's holding on to you more than you are holding on to yourself. You, God is holding on to you. Listen, it's the anchor 
that holds the boat down. The boat doesn't hold the anchor, uh, boat doesn't hold itself. The boat is held by the anchor, right? Similarly, it's the anchor who's Jesus, the hope in Christ is what's holding you and me. It's what is holding you and me from being drifted away from, from you know, from things like that. We are we are stationed because we are anchored by God Himself. He's holding us in His hands. Our future is also anchored by Him, so that we will not lose all of our future. Amen.